very, very thankful for this season and all that God has done uh, for us. And so this morning we're going to look at God's greatest gifts, some of God's greatest gifts. Now, if you were, if you grew up uh, as a teenager in the 80s and you started becoming a young adult in the 90s, Garth Brooks said that some of God's greatest gifts were what? Unanswered prayers, which we know that there is no such thing as unanswered prayers. Uh, God definitely answers our prayers. Sometimes he answers them with a no. Anybody ever experienced a no from God and thought you were smarter than God and pressed on anyway? Uh, sometimes God answers with a yes, and we're all excited when God answers with a yes until finally we realize what we asked for, and then sometimes we're like, God, can you go back to a no? Um, and then sometimes God says you got to wait. And what we don't do well is wait. Anybody in here struggle with waiting? So uh, certainly God does answer our prayers. This morning we want to read from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at some of God's greatest gifts. Let's stand together as we read from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Dealing with the funeral uh, often, uh, pretty much every funeral I do, I remind the people that uh, the person in that casket is not going to be judged based upon how they treated one another. Uh, their salvation is what I'm speaking of. They'll be based. That'll be based solely upon what their faith said about them in Jesus Christ. And so Ephesians two eight through nine says, "For by grace, not by works, correct? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves." It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Father, we ask this morning that you would allow us to see how beautiful a gift you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. We begin here with this gift of salvation. Obviously, our need for salvation started way back in a garden when everything was just as it should be. Everything seemed to be in place. Everything was right. All that Adam and Eve, the first two human beings to ever be put on this earth, um, everything seemed to be just as it should be. They were told they could have any tree, any tree. And could you imagine what choices they had? Think about that for a minute. Any tree but this one tree. Why then were they drawn to the one tree? Well, how many of us are drawn to the things that we can't have, right? It's that, it's that nature that we have in us. And, and for them, Satan duped them and said, is that really what God said? And, and so they wind up eating the fruit, and we know the rest of the story. Here we are today still struggling with sin, struggling with choices, struggling with, with defeat by the enemy. Here we have Adam and Eve, there they are, there they had Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. They have tons of choices. They choose the wrong thing. And that day, that day that God finds them hiding, remember he, he, he walks into the garden to, to have that time with them and, and they're, they're not there, they're hiding. And, and God says, what are you doing? And they said, we're hiding, we, we, we're naked. And we hit ourselves and, and God said, well, how do you know you're naked? You understand there was really no nakedness until sin came in. Nakedness was not something that was real until sin came in. It was just a natural thing, the way God had made them. And then sin came and they felt shame for their nakedness. And 
and they hid. And ever since then, God has put into place this thing, this gift of salvation. Now, salvation always, since the beginning, had to come from the shedding of blood. If you remember, the first thing that God did for Adam and Eve was he took one of his own that he had made and sacrificed it and covered them then in the skin of that animal that he had to sacrifice himself. Then as time went on, they had to bring sacrifices to God for sin. The altar was set up so that they could come, the children of Israel could come before God and lay their animal upon the altar and sacrifice that animal for the sin of their family. The high priest once a year would go in sacrifice the perfect animals and put them their blood upon the altar and he would pray for the sins and the forgiveness of the sins of the people of God. And finally that became such a mockery the way that they were doing it that God said it is time to send my son. And that's the time of year that we celebrate now as this beautiful Christmas season is upon us. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not one of these people that wants to start doing Christmas the day after Thanksgiving. But in my home, everything comes down Thanksgiving evening and everything goes right up Thanksgiving night, right? My wife is ready. She's ready for the transition. Um, How many of you started watching Christmas movies back in July? Anybody? Some of you people are so sad. Billy, did you raise your hand? Brother, hand in your man card. You are no longer allowed. That is terrible. Terrible. Cannot believe this. That's just crazy. Man. So here's the deal for us as we understand that some people love Christmas time. My in-laws, my daughter married the perfect young man because my daughter would do Christmas 24-7. Okay? She loves the decorations. She loves the the, the atmosphere and everything. And and our in-law, her in-laws are the same way. Chad and Lisa if you're friends with Chad or Lisa on, on social media, you know how crazy they are with Christmas. And uh, it, is, it is so funny to, to watch some of the stuff that they post. But there are people who just absolutely love the time. Folks, I, I, like I say, I'm not, a, I'm not one to go out and decorate everything. But I'll tell you this, I understand the season. And I am beyond thankful for what this season represents. It, it is the fact that God knew, listen, You need something that you cannot give yourself. You ever been in a position that you knew you could not save yourself? And you had put yourself there? I don't know how many of you have ever experienced near-death experiences, but I've had a few in my life. One involved water and almost drowning as a child. And there I am, I'm sinking down, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to the bottom, and, and I'm, we're in a pond, and someone recognizes the fact that I have not come up, and they go down, and they grab me, and they bring me back up, and I mean, the first thing you want to do when you finally come up is what? You want to take that deep breath of air. But what I could not do the whole time that I was in the water, I could not breathe. There was nothing I could do. Because had I breathed at that moment underwater, what would have happened? I would have filled my lungs up, and that would have been it. 
But the moment that I was brought up by, by I don't even remember who it was that, that reached down and, and in that water and, and wound up going towards me and getting me out of that water and, and figuring out where it was. Because this was not, you know, this is a pond in East Texas. There's no clarity here, okay? I mean, there's, it's, it's mud. It's just the way it is. But they get you out. They bring you to the top. And the moment that you're there, you just, it's just like, thank you. And you feel, you know, that's what salvation is for us. Can you imagine standing before God on the day of judgment? And what you are surrounded by is all of your sin. The sea of guilt. The sea of damnation. The sea that, that is just everything that you've ever done wrong is what is surrounding you. And there is no hope because you are the one who caused these things. You are the one who made choices to sin. You and I are the ones who surrounded ourselves with filth and with things that were not, would not honor God. And the next thing you know, the next thing that happens is when we look up and see Christ, God reaches down his hand of grace through the blood, the sacrifice of his son, and he literally brings us up to breathe new life. Never to have to face that nonsense again. So my hope when I stand before God is that for by grace I have been saved. Isn't that, isn't that so good? Not by Tom. <laughs> Y'all... If I had to save myself, I could go ahead and tell you, it's not happening. How many of you have ever thought, if I could go back 20 years, I would make some different choices? You ever thought that? Let me tell you what your choices would be. It would be a new type of stupid. I mean, it's just reality. It's just who we are. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's just the way things are. It would be a whole new type of sin. We, okay, we're not going to do that sin. Okay, well, then Satan's going to put something else. And if you were weak back then, you're still going to be weak. Look, take, this, take where you are now and learn from what you did back then and make better choices. But ultimately, the only way for us to make it in the end for salvation is by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. There are some people in this room who I'm going to tell you, I know are probably, if we were to go back and we were to compare our, our junior high and high school days and our young adult days, there are some of you who would put me to shame with your good behavior. There are some of you that I would look at your life and I'd go, Wow. I would almost make you a saint. There are, there are some of you in this room who I know because I've heard you because you've shared some things with your pastor. <laughs> some of y'all, I'd be like, yeah, that was pretty good. Y'all go ahead and laugh. It's okay. Some of y'all are going, don't say my name, don't say my name, don't say my name. But here's reality. The Bible says all Adam and Eve did to separate themselves from God was they disobeyed. So no matter what all you may have accumulated at one point, we're all under the same condemnation and we're all under the same need. We're surrounded by our sin and our filth and our unrighteousness and God reaches his hand down and he says, you want to take a breath? Believe in my son. And that moment of faith, God pulls us up to where we can breathe forever and ever and ever 
free from the sin of guilt. Isn't God good? Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are like unclean, are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, I'll be very, very careful, but you know that these filthy rags are not talking about something that's been left outside in the dirt. But these are talking about filthy rags in a way that they would need to be thrown away. They would be of no use. They would have been, been used in a woman's cycle. That's the type of filthy rags he's speaking of. Do you understand that you and I are of no value without Christ? There is no hope for us without Christ. So we say, well, we were of value. God said, the only thing that made you of value is that God himself created you. Outside of that, you and I have nothing to offer God. Nothing. We all fade as a leaf, he says. Folks, I've never yet met anybody who outlived death. The oldest person that I have buried was Miss Jackers. She was over 100 years old, just by a few months. I've met some people down in Nicaragua who were like 107 and 108. Roger Binion, he's dead set to live to 100. I think that's pretty cool to have that mindset. Stubborn old man. I love it. But none of us are going to beat it. We are going to fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We are desperate for God. Amen. Romans 3 verse 20 through 26 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What does law allow us? It allows us to know what all we've broken If we were to go around the room for a moment and just talk about some of the laws that we have broken, do y'all think we would be out of here by, I don't know, next week? It would take us a while, wouldn't it? It would take us a while. The, the, The law was there to let us see our need for God. And then verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They they told us about it in the Old Testament. They said Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The answer to the law is coming. The fulfillment of the law is coming. It says even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Isn't that good to know? For there is no difference. For all have sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. And because of our sin, what has happened? Listen to what he says. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, but Brother Tom, if you only knew what all my wife has done, if you only knew what all my husband has done, if you only knew what all my mom and dad did to me, if you only had... No, no, listen to me. You take responsibility for you. Because the Bible says that we all face the same issue. We have all sinned. Right? You know what's sad? Let me tell you what's sad. 
What is sad, we're having to build more prisons and bigger jails. Let me tell you why. Because nobody understands their condition. Nobody understands their condition. I got to go this past Tuesday and, and, and take a, a tour uh, of, of a facility that I was blown away. I was just, uh, wow. The problem that I, that I was having was that I was at a jail. Looks nice. It's going to be new. Everything's going to be neat. But they're going to need programs. They're going to need people that are going to come in and, and stand beside some of these juveniles who get in trouble. Some sort of program to start for them. Some sort of program to start. And a lot of people say, well, what's the purpose? All these people get jailhouse religion. They walk out the door and they chunk their Bible. But folks, if you can get one out of a hundred, wouldn't that work? They're having to build, builder, they're having to, to, to build bigger jails, bigger prisons. Because people don't understand that we all face the same issue. We're all sinners. If we could just understand that, I think we could all get along better. Really. You ever gotten mad at somebody and then realize later you were the one who acted like an idiot? I mean, when the Christian gets angry this morning, something happened and, and I was like, oh, your website said that you had this. And now you're telling me you don't have this lady looked at me and she said, well, we can order it for two to three days. I'm like, my well is out now. I don't want to wait two or three days. And she said, well, sir, I'm sorry what the website says, but I'm telling you, my little deal right here says that we don't have them in the store. We'll have to special order. Immediately, it was like God said, don't forget, you're a Christian. Two, it's Sunday morning. Suck it up, buttercup. And I turned around and I walked out because I wasn't going to change the fact that they didn't have what I needed, right? There was, it was not going to be any good to throw a fit. When I got in my vehicle, the first thing I did, I just thought, okay, it's time to take a really deep breath. What I mean by that is it's time to take a spiritual deep breath. Dear God, Brother Tom needs you really bad this morning. Because I can already tell we're headed in a direction I don't need to go. You ever had those days? If we would just all recognize we're all sinners. You know what? People have come to this church and they didn't have what, we didn't have what they needed when they showed up because we weren't ready for them. You ever thought about it that way? You ever thought about it that way? Like, as a believer, have you always had everything everybody needs when they need it? So why get mad over something that a lost person doesn't have that you need at that moment? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a payment. And thank you, God, that the payment was in full. You hear me? What do I have to do for salvation? There's nothing I can do. It is trusting. It is putting my faith that Christ paid it all. And all to him I owe. Now, 
whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously, what? Committed. God already took care of it. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God brings salvation. Thank you, Father God. Amen. What else does God bring this morning? God brings restoration. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I've been a believer for a long time, but I'm so far from where God wants me. I can tell you that I'm nowhere near where the Lord wants me. I need help. God brings restoration. His gift of restoration is good for the Christian. It's good for the believer. Remember David. Man, David was struggling in life, and he had made some really dumb decisions as king, and he saw a woman over on uh, bathing, and he wasn't even supposed to be home, by the way. Do y'all remember the story? If you don't, let me share it with you real quick. David is king, and, and it's the time of year when he's supposed to be leading his men into battle, but instead David thought, oh, my, my leaders have it. I'm going to stay back at home. When we're not obedient to what God has put us to do, temptation doubles, okay? Temptation doubles. How many of you have ever been in a place that you knew you should be somewhere else and you refused to go and you thought, I'll just stay home, nothing will happen? Ha! Devil's like, I got you. David stays home. He walks out on his balcony. He sees a woman bathing naked. He calls her to him. He finds out that she's somebody else's wife. David has an affair with a woman. She winds up with child. He then figures out a way to have the husband come home. The husband is, is more faithful to, the, to his call than David is and refuses to go to his house. So David then sends the husband to the front line, tells the men to draw back because he knew that this woman's husband was fierce and would not draw back. And the Bible says that the husband was killed. David's told this child that is within this woman who you had an affair with, this child will die. David prays and pleads with God, but what happens to the child? The child dies. In Psalm 51, David writes this to the chief musician, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me no wisdom. Folks, I don't know what you're trying to hide from God, but I'm telling you, he knows. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous right hand. 
or your generous spirit, excuse me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. If you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. David had gone so far as to cause the death of a man. Now he's guilty of murder. He is guilty of of, of fornication, of adultery. And now he comes before God and he says, listen, God, here's the truth. Here's where I am. I am guilty and only you, God, can restore to me the thing that I desire most. Wherever you are in life, whatever you've done, listen to me. God is a God who can restore. There are so many Christians, so many believers that I watch walking around who are absolutely miserable. Folks, there should be joy within the Christian. And the only way to have it is for God to restore the joy that is within you. You remember Peter? We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. There was Peter, and Peter was struggling with life because Jesus has been arrested. Uh, and he told Jesus, I'll go all the way to the cross. I'll go to death. I'll die for you. And as I told you before, Jesus is not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to what? Live for him. So Peter is challenged to live for Christ. He's challenged to live People are coming to him and talking to him and they're asking him, didn't you know this one? You were surely with him. We can tell by your, by your accent, by your words. And, and Peter denied Christ how many times? Three times to the point that the last time he even what? Profanely cursed. I do not know the man. And what happened at that moment that he said that? The rooster crowed. Here they are and I don't know how many of you have ever been hurt by somebody, but normally when I'm hurt by somebody, I'm not looking to do them right. Anybody else with me? I'm not exactly looking to go out of my way to bless them, right? And, and my, my opening prayer for people who have hurt me is usually not, God, would you just bless these people? My opening prayer for them is usually, God, you know what they did? Well, yeah, God does know what they did. But what, what is my motivation behind my prayer towards those who have hurt me? I'm tattling on them, right? <laughs> God, you know what they did. What does God do? What does Jesus do that moment that he is about to confront Peter, who he knows turned his back on him, who he knows abandoned him, who he knows left him in his greatest time of need? What does he do? Let's look at this. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again. Now, he's already been raised from the dead. He's walked around. We know this. So after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the, the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Good old Peter. Peter always seemed to return back to what he knew. How many of you have ever just gone back? If I could just go back to what I used to do. That's not what God called you to do. God called you to do something different. What's Peter supposed to be doing? Fishing for who? Men. And here he is going to the water to fish. He says, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you. They went out and immediately go, got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. You know, how many of you enjoy fishing? 
Like, I love to fish. But I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm catching nothing, I'm moving. I'm doing something different. They caught nothing all night. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Can you, can you see the picture here? Here his disciples have deserted him. Peter, Peter. The fiercest, the bravest. The one who had turned and denied him. He's giving them what they needed. He's blessing them with a catch of fish. He's not condemning them. He's not looking down because they had left him instead. Instead, his eyes look up at them and he asks them a question. Have you caught anything? You ever recognize that even in your sin, God still blesses you? Even when you're not right with God, God still loves you. He still cares for you. And I think that that's where a lot of us get mistaken. We think that once we do wrong, God doesn't love us anymore. He's going to punish us. No. God gives them what they needed. Verse 15 says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Can you imagine what question... What a question that had to feel. That question felt like to Peter. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Really? Now, why would Peter say that? Lord, you know that I love you. Remember what I said? <laughs> Can I tell you, your words mean nothing. Isn't that the truth? Your words mean nothing. What am I, what am I really needing from you? I need action, not words. Don't tell me something. Show me something. So he asked him, he says, Peter, do you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. You see, when God restores us, he doesn't just restore us to be okay. He restores us back to his service. A lot of you are like, I'm, I no longer am qualified. I, I've, I've had these issues. I've been divorced. I've, I've messed up in the pulpit. I, 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 I stole something at work. I, I've lost my job. I, I've, I've done things to my family. God can never use me again. I'm going to tell you something. When God restores you, he restores you back not just to 
the point of being a church member. He restores you back to being one of use and of value. And he wants you to take your story and to share it with others and let them know that God is not done with them. Feed my lambs, he said a second time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. So not just feed them, but now you got to tend them. Folks, I don't know if you know much about tending sheep, but it's not pretty. They stink. You got to clean up things that you don't normally want to clean up. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? You know why Peter was grieved? Because it hit him, didn't it? I wonder somewhere in the distance, did he hear a rooster crow? Doesn't say so in the Bible, so I'm not going to stretch that far. But you know, the mind gets to wondering. But he asked him that third time and he said, do you love me? And it says, man. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying about what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Folks, listen to me as we close. I do not care where you have been. God has already taken care of that. You may be disqualified from certain things in service. That doesn't mean you're disqualified from everything. Samson, even though he had done everything wrong that he was not supposed to do in the Old Testament, he's literally where he could do no good for God whatsoever, but he cries out to God anyway. He's chained between two great pillars and all these horrible people are there that, that, that hate God and hate God's people. And so in the last moment, Samson says, God, I recognize that I'm in desperate need of you. So if you'll give me my strength back, I will win this victory. And what does the Bible say that Samson did? He pulls down the pillars and everybody in that building died. You're like, well, that sounds gruesome. Listen, even in Samson's last moment, he turned to God. The thief on the cross in his last moment turned to God. Folks, I don't care where you're at, what you've done. God can still use you. can turn your story into his story you can show and point people to Christ wherever you are and whatever you do listen to me God will restore you and put you back to work you may not be able to do all the things you used to do but there are still plenty of things to be done in the kingdom of God with people who are willing But you've got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm also a mess. It's not just the people around me. I need help. And folks, when we're willing to come to God with that, aren't you glad God's already come to us with his son? 
Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the fact that you have not only called us, but God, you have equipped us. You have given us grace. You have restored us numerous times to the back to the service, back to following after you. And so, Father, this morning we ask, Lord, for wisdom. God, that we would be able to look into our own life and recognize that we also are desperate for you. It's not just those that we're angry with. It's not just those that have hurt us. But we ourselves also need to be restored. Lord, teach us forgiveness. Teach us grace. As we look into your word and recognize how good Jesus was to his disciples after they had deserted him, he still loved them. He still cared for them. And God, you still love us and you care for us. And it's in your son's precious name that we pray. A prayer of restoration, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of hope. In Jesus' name.